Welcome back to another roundtable. My name is Adam. I have Ruzmin, Victor, Hello. and welcome back once again. Air here better than the air down there. Okay. Yeah, but <laughs> too much potato chip. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I want to come out with the voice. Okay, okay, okay. Yeah, okay. the throat. I want, I want yeah. all these bloopers somewhere. Welcome back to another roundtable. My name is Adam. I have Ruzman. Hello, Victor. Hi, everyone. And once again, welcome back, AK. All right. So, AK, thank you for joining us once again. It's a pleasure to always have you. And today, we're going to talk about AK's quarter three dividends. All right. So, I'm going to go straight to your blog post, cut to the chase. And the amount of dividends that you received just in quarter three alone this year is $84,942, Singapore dollars. Mm-hmm. How do you feel? <laughs> All right, so just, just some context. This is 12% higher than the quarter three of last year. So it grew 12%, 84K in just three months. Uh, that's incredible, man. So yeah, those are con- just passive income. Passive income. Yeah. Congratulations. Yeah, that's thank you, amazing. thank you, thank you. Yeah, I so think to give a better con- context is when we met him many mm. years ago around, I think, 2011 or 2012. Yep. His passive income at that point of time was the full year was about 100,000 plus plus. Mm. All right. What's and plus plus? 105K. 105K, round it up. 105K in 2011-2012, right? Yep. And right now on the third quarter, which is your, your nine month, 2023, is about what? 200,000? Around 200,000. 200, okay. Wow, you almost double up your right. passive yeah. income. So yeah, so that means, so just make, make it clear. So in 2011, it was 105K for the entire year. Nine months of this year, you have crossed 200,000. Slightly. Slightly. And quarter three alone, three months, July, August, September, uh, 84K. Yeah. Wow. Amazing. So the, I think the reason why we have you back here is, I mean, everyone here, I mean, they, they're going to be inspired by your results, right? Uh, but today, we want to just have an update of your quarter three, you know, what, you're, what you're doing, what you plan to do, because I think you're actually quite an active investor, despite all your passive income. Uh-huh. You kind of manage your portfolio quite closely. And over here, you say that uh, the banks, the three banks in Singapore, DBS, OCBC, UOB, uh, played uh, a large part of your dividends in quarter three. Yes. All right. So what are your views on the three banks? I mean, in the short term, I know no one can predict long term. Mm. What do you think about the banks? Well, the, the banks have proven themselves to be very reliable dividend payers. Yeah, so uh, they pay dividends in good times, they pay dividends in bad times, and uh, during the pandemic, they paid less because MAS told them to do so. Yeah. Otherwise, they could have paid more. So uh, if you are investing for income like I am, I think the banks uh, are worthwhile considerations. Mm. Yeah, and um, they are well-managed, they are well-capitalized, very well-run. Okay, what about the risks? Like, for example, I remember you saying uh, OCBC has some China exposure. Yeah, and it's not just OCBC. Yeah, okay. DBS uh, as well. Uh, does OCBC have the biggest exposure to China? I think DBS and OCBC have similar levels of exposure to China, about 20 to 30% mm. yeah, exposure to China. So are you worried about their China exposure, for example? Like China's uh, economy uh, is uh, kind of slowing down and stuff like that? Well, uh, we'll be worried if we don't know what they are doing, you know, but you know, like in the latest interview given by Mr. Piyush Gupta, right? He said that they limited their exposure to the Chinese property sector three or four years ago because they could see the problems coming, Mm. 
right? And uh, OCBC in their latest results say that their NPL, their non-performing loans actually declined and now they are at pre-pandemic levels. Mm. So that tells us that they've been very prudent and they have limited their exposure to the troubled Chinese property sector, which is the elephant in the room. Mm. Yeah, and um, unlike, you know, like the state-owned Chinese banks, right? You know, ICBC, Bank of China, those, those big four banks, they have a lot of problem with non-performing loans. And they're actually bundling up these loans and selling them off as asset-backed securities. That's similar to the subprime in the Similar US. to li- mini bonds, <laughs> Lehman Brothers. So because yeah. they have a lot of non-performing loans, they have to get rid of. So they are packaging them up and selling them uh, to people who are willing to take on more risk. So, okay. But you don't see that happening with the Singapore banks. Okay. Yeah. And I think recently you also added more position in one of the banks. Right. So uh, yeah, just a couple of days ago, I bought a bit more of DBS. Yeah, okay. So my question is now with interest rate picking, which is what a lot of economists are predicting, and in fact may potentially come down in the second half of next year. I don't know whether that's going to happen. Usually they get it wrong all the time, but <laughs> what is your take on that? You know, if the mm. rate started to reverse, for example, would it affect the banks? Well, I'm not an economist. Okay. Right? <laughs> I think none of us. Uh, <laughs> we are not very qualified to talk about this, but I can only say uh, we cannot predict, but we can prepare, mm. right? So, um, Mr. Piyush Gupta says that rates are likely to stay higher for longer. I mean, he probably has a better bird's eye view of things than we, we do. And if the rate stays higher for longer, then it will be beneficial to the banks, right? But if uh, rates do come down, then we have to remember that... Um, the interest <laughs> rates that we get for our savings and fixed deposits will come down as well. Oh, yes. So funding costs will also come down. Mm. Yeah. So um, the net interest margin should maintain, you know, if you think of it that way. Um, but of course, w- the big worry, I think, that we have to be cognizant of the big problem uh, that we have to be cognizant of is a slowdown in the global economy. Right, if the global economy slows down, then uh, I think that is going to be a bigger problem because banks being cyclical, their fortunes will follow the economy. Right, so, uh, yeah. But you, what you want to do is um, don't be overly optimistic, I always say. Mm. Right, and don't for more. Mm. Right, just buy at any price. Buy, 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 buy. Yeah. Right, so I try to use the charts to help me identify the supports, and that's why I did. I said $32 was immediate support, and if that should break, 3180 mm. And so a couple of days ago, I bought at 3180 Ah, I see. But, but just, just, a, just a nibble, just yeah. a nibble. But when I look at the, the uh, valuation, right, so DBS is traded above its 10 years average price to book. Then you got OCBC and UOB that is trading slightly below the ten-year average price to book. But then, why you did you not think of like investing in OCBC or UOB? Is it that you have overexposure already, or uh, I don't know whether overexposure or not lah. I just everything is like how I feel I know. <laughs> <laughs> but OCBC is already my largest investment okay. in local okay. bank. Okay. My investment in OCBC alone is the same size as my investment in DBS plus UOB. Okay. Ah, okay. Yeah. Okay, so okay. Uh, I've been thinking of adding to my investment in UOB and more recently to DBS. Mm-hmm. But to your point about DBS being more expensive yeah. in terms of price to book, um, I changed my mind about 
not adding and decided to add because of its very high ROE. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. So its ROE at one time was at twenty times, uh, uh, and uh, OCBC was at fourteen times. You know, is the difference is stark. Though it's able to generate a lot of returns on shareholders' equity. You mean you mean fourteen percent? Ah, twenty percent. Yeah. Correct. Okay. Yeah. Sorry. Okay. So uh, twenty percent and fourteen percent. Mm-hmm. Right. So it's a big difference, and uh, that justifies its richer valuations. All right. So coming yeah. back to interest rate, maybe I could also pick your mind on like if the rate was to start to reverse, right? Do you think that uh, REITs will comes in to help in the aspect because they may start to enjoy lower cost of funding? So in the aspect, it's kind of like almost like a hedging, you know, using the REITs to hedge against bank, and it can works the other way around too. So basically, I'm talking about having a barbell strategy. Ah, yeah. Okay. So you have banks and you have REITs, which is what I have. Mm. Right, I have exposure to banks and exposure to REITs in about equal equal portion. Okay, but uh, I'm very realistic about the situation we have with interest rates. REITs were doing very well because interest rates were low, very low, almost zero. Mm. Right, and um, now interest rates have gone up like five <laughs> percent in eighteen months, and even if you expect interest rates to be reduced next year or the following year, right? How much can they go down by? Let us mm. say interest rates go down by one percent, one and a half percent. You're still looking at four percent, three point five percent compared to zero percent they were they were before. Yeah. So I kept saying that if you are investing in REITs, right, you have to be very careful. You have to look at their maturity, debt maturity. If they have to start refinancing, say this year, next year, or the following year, right? They'll be refinancing into higher interest rates, no matter what you say. Even mm. if interest rates to be cut, unless you say interest rates get cut by four percent next year, which highly unlikely. I mean, we who don't knows? know, yeah, but it looks knows? highly yeah. unlikely. So if it gets cut by one percent, let's say they got uh, an interest rate of say two percent, three percent, two years ago, and they have to re- they have to refinance into an interest rate environment that's three four percent higher. Yeah. Then you'll be looking at six percent, five percent, seven percent kind of interest. So, how is that not going to affect mm. their performance? Yeah. Which right. is why I'm very realistic about where REITs are going, and I have a video on that about how ye- we are seeing yield expansion in REITs, and is it time to invest in REITs because of the yield expansion? Mm. And this higher for longer interest rates environment is a huge problem. That we have not seen the full effects of, yeah. which is why if you have watched CNBC or you know some of those news, right, the talking heads on news, this rapid rise in interest rates and such substantial rise in interest rate has a lagging effect, and okay. we have not seen the full effects yet. Mm. So is so when you talk about this affecting REITs, right, it's, a, it's going to affect all kind of risk assets. It's not just REIT, It's not just REITs. So for example, now you can even talk about the growth stocks. Mm. Right, growth stocks, tech stocks, those stocks that thrive in the zero percent interest rates environment, and back then they had valuations that were sky high. Now, given this kind of interest rates environment, if they were to go public now, what kind of valuations would they have? So we have to be very realistic. That's why I say in my blog, any kind of investment that relies on debt in order to grow, you want to be very careful. You want to be very careful, which is why I keep an eye on the balance sheet. Yeah, good. Yeah, 
Okay, oh. so I mean, uh, banks are a cornerstone of your portfolio at this time. And this is a nice segue into REITs because you were talking about REITs. And in your blog post, you were saying that iREIT Global, uh, your decision to stay invested in iREIT Global, which is a US-based No, I uh, Sorry, no, European. Europe-based Europe yeah. uh, REIT, uh, has not been as rewarding. Yeah. Okay, so then that begs the question, why did you invest in iREIT Global? And why are you holding on to iREIT Global? Uh, well, it has not been as rewarding in recent times because uh, the income generated reduced. I mean, of course, that's disappointing. <laughs> of course, that's disappointing. I mean, I look at my investments like my children, you know. Mm-hmm. Okay, I invested okay. time and money in my children. They grow up. Then I expect them to give me passive income. Then suddenly, this child has been giving me like, say, $1,000 every month. Uh. Hey, how come now you're only giving me six, seven hundred dollars? Ah, what happened to the other three hundred dollars per month? Ah? Mm. of course you're disappointed. What? Why? Ah, why this child becomes? And you'd be that, worried, right? Ah, I worry for myself. <laughs> like, I don't worry for the child. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> so then, but then you have to go and dig and see what's the reason, mm. right? But before I talk about that, a bit of a backgrounder ah, uh, to set up the story. I like to invest in REITs, which I can tell the true value which means zero financial engineering. Because financial engineering obscures the true value of a REIT. I don't know whether it's really worth it. So the sponsor can say, oh, I, 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 I give income support, or I uh, waive my rights to distributions for two years, or maybe they sell to a, uh, they bought a property and the property, the seller says, I will give income support for five years, you know, and every year it reduces until the fifth year then is zero because the property is not fully listed. That kind of financial engineering. Mm. So it, it makes the investment look more attractive than it is. Yeah. Mm. Right? So financial engineering, I don't like. So iREIT has no financial engineering. Second thing, I like to invest in REITs where the sponsors have significant amount of skin in the game. Not just a bit of skin, a lot of skin, maybe a few fingers as well. Right? And uh, the, their sponsors combined, they have two sponsors. They own about 50% of the REIT. So if they do anything to hurt the REIT, they're hurting themselves, mm-hmm. right? And I like investing in REITs, right? Where the metric management is very conservative and they are savvy, right? So iREIT Global has a foresight of locking it fixed interest rates uh, until the year 2026. Mm-hmm. And that was before interest rates started to rise, right? Mm-hmm. They could see it coming. And also they refused to use a lot of debt to drive growth. Right, so their gearing level is very low. Every time they want to buy something, right, they go back to the shareholders and say, we want to buy these things. Would you like to participate? So they have rights issue. And they rarely have any placement, if I remember, because placement di- private placement dilutes existing shareholders. Yep. Right, they usually go to shareholders and say, would you like to pa- participate? So we buy these assets and how is it going to help us? They're very transparent, they're very savvy. So because of this, right, actually the REIT itself, fundamentally, there's nothing wrong. It's very strong. The problem is with the larger environment, mm-hmm. right? The Ta Jing, the Chinese would say. Mm-hmm. The European economies, Germany and all that, they are not doing very well, right? And of course, the Ukraine war threw a spanner in the works. Uh, but despite all this, the REIT has done quite well, right? But of course, this is not the fault of the child. <laughs> yeah, the, okay. the, the child has suffered a pay cut. <laughs> That's why it's giving you less money. Mm. But the child has done no wrong. It's not as if the child is doing drugs now mm-hmm. or has become an alcoholic. Mm-hmm. Okay? okay, so that's why I'm still invested in it. Right? But I also explained in my blog that if we dig more into the details, right, 
the child that suffered a pay cut might get his pay reinstated. Mm. Right? Because if you look at what they did right in recent months, right, they raised funds to buy a whole portfolio of uh, out-of-town retail parks, B&M, that's leased on long-term lease to B&M. And that one, the income hasn't come in yet. It also renewed leases or found new tenants in Spain and Germany, and they are enjoying rent-free periods. Mm. Right? Usually when you find new tenants, you have a few months of rent-free period to set up shop before you start charging them rent. So that income hasn't come in yet. So these two in aggregate, once you take in, right, you can think, you can foresee that the next half, because they pay dividend twice a year, so it's half yearly, the next dividend payout should be higher. So there'll be some kind of recovery, right? And also, I read Global is actually very undervalued. It's very undervalued. And it's not just by the usual metrics of book, book value and all that kind of thing. Uh, but of course, that's something that's very easy to use. Uh. They actually renewed, extended the lease of their Berlin asset, which is, I believe, their crown jewel, by six months at a 45% higher rental rate. Mm. So that proves my suspicion or many people's suspicion for a long time that the Berlin asset has been under-rented for too long because the contract was signed years ago when the rental rates were very low. And that also proved one, another point. And that is the work from home culture isn't as strong in Europe compared to US, mm. where you know the rental rates were just dropping, but they were able to renew it at a 45% higher rental rate. And now, the Berlin property, right? How much does it comprise of the whole portfolio? Uh, I think it, co- it contributes to 20% of okay. their income. So it's quite a, quite a bit of a boost. Yes, but again, I want to be realistic. Yeah. Because it's only a six months extension. Mm-hmm. And from what we know is that after that, the tenant's going to vacate the property. But that, is also, that also fits into Iris' overall plan of rejuvenating the property because it's freehold, it's quite old. Mm. So they want to bring it up to date. So they update the looks, update the, the building. So that's gonna take about a year of renovation. So for one year, you might not have any income from that property. Mm, yeah. So I can imagine Mr. Market becoming pessimistic again when that happens, which is why I produced a video on what kind of price I, I think might be trading at at that time. Mm-hmm. And at mm. that price, I'll buy more. All right. So you're happy to wait. Basically, and I'm happy to buy more. And, okay, yeah. 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 And they're going to lose 20% of the income? And then if the 20% drop in the unit price, right? Mm -hmm. You have to ask yourself if something impacts a certain Mm -hmm. investment negatively, Mm -hmm. is it temporary or is it permanent? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. If it's temporary, it's an opportunity. Yeah. Yeah. And also this is the fact that you are comfortable owning European assets, right? Because uh, not everyone's uh, comfortable with it. I mean, I'm one of them actually, because uh, I look at the European asset, mm, I am not familiar with them. So, so this is basically the kind of uh, risk appetite that you can actually are willing to take, I would say. Uh, <laughs> to, to be honest, to be honest, I hold so many REITs mm. and I can tell you I'm not familiar with any of their assets. Okay. It's not just I read. Do you think I go and visit every one of AIMS APEC REITs properties? None. No. Very not possible. Actually. Not possible. Possible, I'm, but it's I mean, too much work. I was yeah. invited by the CEO many years ago to do a tour of their properties in the West. I, I have a blog on that. Yeah, yeah and then I, I had a look on, and then he shared with me some of the plans and I blog and share with my readers. But those opportunities are very rare. I'm just a small retail investor. Mm. And I'm just, just that I'm a retail investor plus blogger. 
right? And then, of course, I cannot go and visit their properties in Australia, mm. right? So I think this thing about investing in REITs, you want to invest in REITs where the buildings you can touch, you can see it. <laughs> I think that is very uncle. La. I mean, I'm uncle, la, but I'm not that uncle. So well, you're saying I'm uncle. You are more uncle than me, uh, I think. Maybe. Because you see, uh, for example, like Land Lease Global, right? Mm -hmm. Land Lease Global. So you can go and see Gem, for example. Yeah, but you, but you can go and see yeah. their property in Italy. There's have, an excuse to go to Italy now. Go to Italy and go and see their I'm property. Milan. Yeah, Milan. So, yeah, it's the same. But, you know, when I invest in REITs, right? A classic example in my case is Saizen REIT. Oh, yes. 100% yeah. of their property in Japan. Japan. And not only that, in Japan, they have more than 100 buildings. I <laughs> think <laughs> <laughs> you can see all the buildings. Time to take a trip. Take a train. Yeah. <laughs> so um, sometimes you have to see what is realistic for mm. you to do. Yeah. Maybe yeah. the main thing is like uh, that could take care by yourself if it's just a, if they have a diversified portfolio. That's one that can actually kind of reduce the risk. Second would be like there's a currency risk, right? I think increasingly I see a lot of uh, investors are not willing to take on currency risk. Um, well, the fact that I think Sing dollar has been strengthening against a lot of uh, against you know a lot of uh, emerging uh, currency, so that could potentially be a a a, a risk also for. I mean, some people may not be willing to to do to take that risk, and you are comfortable with it. Well, the Sing dollar is very strong. Yes, that's for sure. Which is we are all happy, right? No. It's no. a double. <laughs> I'm happy. No, it's a double-edged sword. Yeah, it's a double-edged sword. You talk to exporters, they are not happy. Oh yeah, yeah. So you talk about p businesses they are being they are running in Singapore that relies on exporting to make money. Mm. They are not happy. They are finding themselves being less competitive. But you're not yeah. investing in those companies. No, right? no, yeah. no, 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 no. Those companies are renting properties in Singapore. Mm -hmm. Ah, yeah. those property, those companies are renting properties in Singapore. So they are the people who are generating rental income for the REITs with properties in Singapore. Mm. So if they're not doing well and the REITs keep increasing the rent, which because they have to, because the interest rates are going up, yeah. how are they going to stomach it? So there'll come a point that MAS will be caught between a rock and a hard place. Let the Sing dollars stay strong or let it depreciate a bit. I think we have to be realistic about that. That's why I say we must know that we don't know what we don't know. That's, you can't do that. <laughs> you must know that. You must know what you don't know. You uh, don't we know. must know that we don't do, know. Right? <laughs> uh, that, uh, we, we must know that we don't know what we don't know. Okay. Yeah. We must know that we don't know. What we don't. There are too many things that we don't know. So based on what we know, we try to make the best decisions. Mm. Okay. okay. So IRB is just one of your positions. I don't think it, it uh, con yeah. con contributes to the whole lot of your portfolio yeah. in, in any case, right? Uh, IREACH and AA REACH together, mm. uh, they are smaller than my investment in the three banks yeah but they are quite substantial okay yeah yeah all right so it's, it's something that you still need to watch out mm. quite diligently over the next six months to a year since this this uh, building property thing and the tenants are i like to invest like i like to invest in businesses that i don't have to worry too much about okay. and, and, this and these the are the businesses i don't have to worry too much okay. about i mean there are many people who are worried about i read but they are worried about the price mm-hmm and the, for you, the price is the opportunity. I'm not worried about the price yeah. because I'm not looking to liquidate in order to get mm -hmm. money out of it. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. There was a. I think there was a comment or question about Iri. So I hope that you know the insight from yeah. you was useful for you know those who were asking about Iri. So specifically, uh, let's uh, move. Yep. Before that, ah, uh, yep. Don't suka suka buy, uh. Yeah. So no recommendation <laughs> buy or sell I, I, anything. I have, yeah. yeah. I've yeah. highlighted a few risks that you need to consider. Yeah. Because AK is willing to take on that risk, you may mm. not. So you need to ask. Uh, yourself. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he got a long-term perspective yeah. on this read, right? 
in the event where the twenty percent in uh gross income is going to disappear, he's that, prepared that for, for that. that he's prepared yeah, for he's the prepared the, for the, the the drop in share price. And right? he wants to buy more. Yeah, yeah. he wants to buy more. Yeah. Right? But how many of you can? actually do that not a lot yeah. of people can do that yeah. Right? Yeah. so you be very clear about your investments yeah. which is what you are yes. uh, most of the time right so yeah. I think uh, when it comes to investments it's very personal um, so that was just AK's insights uh, take what you want out of that uh, but let's move on to another part of your blog post we're saying, which is saying that uh, you can't predict what's going to happen in the market which is mm. true yeah so in the meantime like you said we can't predict you prepare so mm. you're building up your war chest right so 84,000 in dividends, you know, does that all go into your war chest or do you spend some of it? Or, you know, like I think some people were asking that question. Some of them may have uh, substantial dividends for themselves. Maybe they're making 10K a year or something like that. Uh, and you don't spend all of it. You try to put aside some and reinvest your dividends to grow your portfolio. So for you personally, how do you build up this war chest? How much do you spend? How much do you keep? I, I used to keep a lot of the money. Yeah. Uh, during the days when I still had a job, Right, so well, that I was eight years ago. Yeah, <laughs> be, uh, before eight years ago, you know, yeah, yeah I, I, mean, I still had a job. I didn't have to spend my passive income. I, I mean, the passive income were mostly just used for reinvestment. Mm. Yeah, but ever since becoming a retiree, right, no earned income, so I have to leave off my passive income. Mm. So you leave off your passive income, and your passive income still grow. So yeah, yeah, that's the amazing thing, right? So like, that yeah. means <laughs> if you have not live off your passive income, the amount should be higher, even higher. Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 Okay, so okay. so I but I decided enough is enough, lah. You yeah. know, uh, I didn't want to continue exchanging my time and energy for money. I, yeah. mm. I want to have more time to do my own things, things I enjoy. So I don't want to be you know caught in a situation where I have too much money and too little time. Yeah. Mm. You, know, you know, retire at 75 with millions of dollars and not much time left to enjoy Spend my it, life. Yeah. So what's yeah. the percentage that you're keeping for your watches? Well, now it's very little. Uh, you know, um, I have a blog post that says uh, I need about $48,000 a year for myself. Mm. And I want to put aside $48,000 for parental support. And I still want to um, do voluntary contribution to my CPF at that time. La. So not the voluntary contribution portion has changed to Singapore savings bonds. But the amount of money set aside is still the same, which is about $38,000. So if we put us, take all this out, right, that's about 140 k mm. And then the balance can go into my watch as well. Ah, ah. Okay. okay. Yeah, yeah, but that's me. Uh, you know, everyone's circumstances would be different. Yes. But this brings up something in my mind. La. Um, that's why I keep telling people try not to go for lean fire. Mm. I mean, it's up to people because lean fire basically, you know, you just achieve just nice. I can retire early, but then um, if you do that, then you know something happens. Your expenses no goes buffer up. La. Yeah, no yeah. buffer. So that in in for me, I very kiasu, very kiasi. You know, so I I work very hard. I build a big buffer. Then I say, I always thought, what if I don't have enough? Why do I have enough? So I always worry. I'm a born worrier. Do you still have that mindset? I still worry, but mm. it's very hard not to worry for me because it's a psychological issue. Okay. Yeah, because uh, scarred lah from young. <laughs> 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 you know, but you know, nowadays I try to be more easygoing with money, you know, I, and uh, to realize that actually I do have enough. Okay. I do have enough. I think a lot, a lot of people will think that you do have <laughs> more than enough. Yeah. yeah. I mean, the, the facts bear, for, bear, bear, bear out for itself. You retired eight years ago. Your 2011 dividend was uh, 105K annually. Yeah. Now it's 
over 200k. So even Double. without working for eight years, it's grown. Like Victor said, it has doubled in that amount of time. Yeah, because Victor yeah. said I'm very kamsiap, ma. <laughs> yeah, so it was, uh, it's uh, a known fact, right? Yeah, yeah. I think all your readers know it's a known fact. Please don't share my old stories, ah. Uh. I know you're trying to remind okay. me of what Let happened me ask in the you past. A question. What's the difference between frugal and stingy? Stingy is when you really every single cent don't spend. Even if you have to spend, you don't spend. Okay. Okay. Being frugal, if when it's necessary to spend, you will spend. So, for example, I see a dentist. Okay. If you're stingy, you won't see a dentist. Uh-huh. Uh, I'm frugal, but I realize dental health is important, so I see a dentist. Okay. But I go to a polyclinic to see a dentist. Okay. Uh-huh. Scaling and polishing, $50. If you, I go to a private dentist, $100, $120. So it's about value for money. It's not about affordability. All right. My, my definition for stingy versus frugal is you are frugal, when you're careful with money for yourself, mm. you know, you take care of your expenses. You're stingy when you're very careful with money when it comes to others. Like you don't want to spend for others, like for your friends or your family and stuff like that. You're like, nah, I'm not going to spend that on you. Oh, no, no, no. Then I'm not stingy. I always buy snacks for Victor. <laughs> <laughs> that's yeah, my definition. Anyway. That's my definition yeah. anyway. Uh. Yeah, but okay. So you do set aside quite a bit for your war chest. I mean, that's going to grow. And if you're going to continue to invest, which I see you doing for the next 20 years, I mean, all the all the way to the end, it's gonna grow even some some more, right? It's gonna be you you're gonna be you're gonna be fine. Uh, I hope to die penniless. <laughs> <laughs> that is uh, not being stingy. That's pretty good. Yeah, yeah. You can give it away, right? Yeah, <laughs> I plan to set up name bursaries ah, before nice. my death and help nice. needy okay. students. Yeah. I mean, that's what I'm doing now as mm. well, by through direct donations. Okay, that's good to know, actually. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I don't think you advertise that fact, but I think if this is the first time you're sharing it, I think uh, it's- I've blocked about it before, okay, okay. and I've blocked about how NUS sent me an invitation to join their <laughs> dinner to uh, thank okay. the donors, <laughs> but have to be smart casual. La. AK never drives smart casual. It looks pretty smart. <laughs> <laughs> smart casual enough. Yeah, yeah. You wear <laughs> like this over there. You wear your mask there as well. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so I, I didn't yeah. go. Uh. Yeah, okay. yeah. You look like some Kung Fu master. Yeah. 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 So, okay. <laughs> All right. So, I mean, that's pretty much in your, you know, Q3 blog post, which I think is a, is a good update, you know, because every quarter you would do this. So, for those who are interested, you know, to read more about your updates, just go to your blog at ASSI. You just Google that, a Singaporean's uh, stocks investor. Uh, at blogspot.com. Go to my YouTube channel. YouTube channel as well. So, uh, what is your YouTube channel's name? AK71SG. Yeah, okay. Plain so, vanilla. Okay, so <laughs> do check uh, if you want more constant updates from AK, but we, we love to have you here because then you get to, you know, we get to chat with you, find out more, pick your brain a, bit, a little bit because we, we, we all can learn yeah. from you as well. Yeah. yeah. Oh, no, 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 no. I've been learning from you for 10 years already. No, 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 no. You can learn from us as well. <laughs> no, no, it's, it's, it's a two-way thing. No, no, no. I nothing nothing to, to learn from me. Okay. Nothing to learn from me. Yeah. Bruce Mee say, well, AK, no substance, never mind. Funny <laughs> can already. Uh. It's so funny that Bruce Mee said this many years ago. I can't even remember. He said that during the... He went like a dagger to his house. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so yeah. mean. Like every single year he would say that. No, what I meant was that he's a funny person. Actually. Yeah. yeah. That was during the first Invest X Congress. Yes. And a lot of people liked it like you yeah. because yeah. you are funny. Person. Oh, when yeah. is the next Invest uh, X Congress? Truth, I don't know, man. I mean, yeah. I don't know where they want to do it. I like, don't know. Yeah. 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 Physical events is like so much work to do. Yeah. So, anyway, I mean, that's a, I, I, we love having you back here again. Thank you. And I think our viewers like having yeah. you around as well. I mean, a lot thank of you, comments. Thank you. Thank you. So, is there any, any questions you want to ask, AK? How are you going to distribute your income? <laughs> 
It's my name. Can we be part of this? You are not needy students. I don't need it. Yeah, exactly. True. Yeah. So yeah. So thank you once again. You know, AK for having us. That's pretty much it. My name is Adam Rosman. Victor, thank and you. of course, AK. Bye bye. All right. So, if you like this roundtable, please hit the like button. Tell us you're doing a great job. Any questions, put them in the comment section. And then anything we can ask you as well, uh, if it's a relevant question. And of course, subscribe to our channel. Many more roundtables coming up, and we'll see you again.